out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It is Saturday once again here in Austin, Texas. Um, it is gray and overcast outside. Resuming at 2 p.m. at our usual time. I'm joined by my co-host, Gregory Hinckley. Can you pot up your mic? Are you with us, Gregory? I am with you. Okay, so everybody's here. Um, if you guys could just do me a quick favor and invite all your buddies and friends to come join the podcast. Um, you go to your Man Plus uh, icon at the bottom. It's right in the middle. You hit it, and then it goes to your follower set, and you do invite all and invite to the show. You can also hit the upshot bus button and then send that to select people that you think should listen to the show like daniel johnson who's been here before brett benson masha jagas daughter may starwalk of hangburn hangout captain jack whom we haven't heard from in a long stretch john parker anthony omeen q um, Julia Zimmerman and Adrian Taylor is going to get a special invite today. So hopefully they'll be joining us. So if you guys have any suggestions for any guests or uh, future people to feature here at the Unsanctioned Citizen podcast, we'd be really great to hear. Um, anyone that you think is a noteworthy guest that we could reach out to if you want to hear from them, it'd be awesome. We've got a special visit from Vlad the Impaler. Hey, Vladi, how's it going? Hey, everyone, how's everyone doing today? I hope Great. you're having a beautiful sunny day like I am here in Southern California <laughs> in Blue State <laughs> by our Commissar Governor Ron, no, no, by Commissar Governor Newsom, who has given us this beautiful weather today because, you know, we have to look at our Commissars like gods, right? Glory to the state. Long live yeah. Marx, right? No. Amen, <laughs> brother. No. That's how they want to see us. That's how no. they want to suppress us. You know, replace God with our commissar. How could you say contrary to that? <laughs> you know, you know you're no not here. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got the hair for it. <laughs> no, not even. He, he doesn't even call. Is on the table. He, that gray hair he, helmet. That means he's he's he, like his best by day is halfway over there. Halfway, half life point. I resemble that remark. I, I want I want a I, fresher God. If you're gonna if you're gonna play God, at least be fresh. <laughs> I, at least let him look maybe like Superman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Henry I Cavell. Henry Cavell. You know? <laughs> you know, but right, anyway, guys, so I hope you, you guys are uh, a lot done today, uh, Bobby. Uh, if you have any news for us, I, uh, I'm gonna put you back in the in the uh, the listener section. Invite all your people. Okay. But we got a show to do. It's fully loaded. Um, so we'll be I, back in about an hour. Can we do that? Okay. Yes. All Can right, I ask we'll something? We'll Maybe you, yeah, you, yeah, you quickly, might cover quickly. anything on Ron DeSantis and the new immigration laws. Uh, if you guys are going to cover that, if by any chance, we are going to open with HB twenty, which is the te- the Texas House bill. Um, that was okay. our first thing up on the docket. Okay. If you guys go to the information section, there's a link there. 
with the box that says unsanctioned citizen. That first link is to the rally, the complete rally on Rumble uh, from that we featured last weekend at the Texas State Capitol. We were so tired that we almost didn't do the show this week. Meaning I, we meaning I. Uh, Greg was like, I'll, I'll do the show. I'll do the show with I. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I was I was really tired. I mean, it was a really long slog. But the entire rally was filmed from start to finish on Rumble, and that video is in the uh, link section under the eye. There's a there's a circle with a man in it, the quote box if you want to do chat, and then um, the eye for information. So all of the links for the show are in the information section. So if you push left, it's a full video, how many more? That's the rally. And then... We're going to go to the KERA sub subject matter, which is basically the debate on HP 20. Greg, are you hanging in? You there? I am here being your supportive, okay. loving person. Yes. <laughs> Don't go to sleep. Uh, see. Okay. So this is the border enforcement bill at Texas Capitol sparks debate over states' rights and invasion rhetoric. So it's more balanced article, so it supports like both perspectives. The legislation would form a powerful new state law enforcement unit on the border. The hearing where HB 20 was discussed lasted till 2 a.m. Thursday. Dozens of legal experts and civil rights advocates uh, descended on the, the state capitol on April 12th to speak against immigration legislation during a heated hearing where Democrats and Republicans clash over state sovereignty and whether Texas is being invaded by people crossing the border. House Bill 20 by State Representative Matt Schaefer, a Republican from Tyler, would form a new state law enforcement unit on the border with broad powers and certain immunity for its members. If passed, the legislation would create the so-called Border Protection Unit headquartered along the border. The unit would include members who are current peace officers, but also be open to any citizens who haven't been convicted of a felony. Okay, the Border Protection Unit's duties would include building and maintaining a border wall, along with deterring illegal immigration, drug smuggling, and possibly through using non-lethal force to repel migrants, according to the language in the bill. Schaefer justified the legislation Wednesday by arguing Texas is in imminent danger due to near record number of apprehensions at the state's southern border. The simple truth is that the ongoing acts of aggression by violent transnational criminal cartels are putting the lives of Texans and Americans in imminent danger. He told the House Committee on State Affairs. So how many people will die from fentanyl poisoning? How many more landowners will suffer damage to property from trespassers and smugglers? Opponents of the measure are concerned the unit would be staffed in part by civilians who are untrained and possibly eager to take part in a border operation that promotes racial profiling and harassment of minorities. Schaefer said his legislation would allow peace officers and National Guard members who are currently on the border to return home to their regular duties, saying new members of the border unit would alleviate the need for their deployment. Under Operation Lone Star, a state-led effort by Governor Greg Abbott in 2021, there are currently thousands of additional officers and guard members on the border. The operation has cost Texas billions of dollars since its inception. 
In frequent, intense exchanges, Democratic committee members passed, pressed Schaefer on whether the legislation conflicts with federal law, since the federal government has purview over immigration policies. State Representative Anchia, Democrat of Dallas, asked Schaefer directly if his legislation was meant to tee up battle before the United States Supreme Court with hopes that the conservative majority would overturn a key immigration ruling. Is the purpose, quote, is the purpose of HB 20 to enact state border protection laws and challenge the ruling of Arizona v. United States that states can't step in and pass laws? And she asked. In 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down some of the major provisions of Arizona's SB 1070, which sought to expand state-based immigration. The court ruled that most provisions of that law were preempted by federal statute. And that bill was totally problematic for its overreach onto state identity. This is my personal editorial. It would have over-identified Americans, which is, you know, this is a criticism that I have in general of Republican policy comprehensively. They want to put national identity and identity as panacea on everything. They want to put identity on everything like, like hot sauce, okay? It is not... To be used that way unless you want to turn into a checkpoint state which we don't i like texas to be free but it won't be if you over identify everyone in today's age of ai all right i'm going to move back to the article so uh, although the constitutional imposed primary responsibility for the protection of our borders with the federal government it does not thereby strip the states of the power to defend themselves despite the supreme court's erroneous decision in arizona v the united states 2012 said Joshua Trevino, Chief of Intelligence and Research at the Austin Bates Texas Public Policy Foundation, a conservative think tank. But opponents to the panel said it's colossal waste of state resources and a continuation of Abbott's Operation Lone Star. That's despite Representative Schaefer's assertion that his intent is to wind down the deployment of the temporary units stationed at the border. HB 20 diverts billions of state resources to fund Operation Lone Star, an unconstitutional scheme that is not protecting Texans. Operation Lone Star is coasting, or sorry, co- it's costing $100 million per month, whereas educating K-12 students cost $9,871 per student per year, said Jennifer Canales-Paleas, uh, an attorney and strategist with the Immigration Legal Resource Center. Sorry. It is mind-boggling how this state consistently ranks lowest in public education, prefers to play games with our money and our lives in the name of a political stunt. There's already been more than $4.5 billion allotted for border security in the state's next proposed two-year budget, though it's unclear what the price tag for Schaefer's legislation would be or how much would come out of what has already been included. The legislation was left pending in committee and adjourned about 2 a.m. after the hearing an overwhelming majority of people testify in opposition of HB 20. It did pass out of committee on almost exclusively Republican votes. So Gregor, what's your take on this move to, for Texas to enforce the border itself? You know, the constitution is kind of fuzzy. Um, Article one gives naturalization of citizenships to the Congress, yet 
states are also allowed to have, you know, their people come, you know, their people are their people. Uh, states borders have always been recognized. And if you don't have a border, you don't have a state. So I think with the, from what I understand, they're only talking about enforcing the existing laws. And therefore, you know, I, I, I'm all over Texas protecting themselves, but as you pointed out, what it's going to turn into is papers, please. Um, there's already an issue in Southern Arizona, uh, New Mexico, if you're within 80 miles of the border, you're as likely to get stopped as if you're a person of any kind of color driving anything, because if they're going to stop you, they're going to, I mean, they may check on you. I've never been stopped. I'm six foot four white and don't look anything like a Hispanic unless I've been out in the sun a lot. And that hasn't happened since I was a kid. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where your, your country is being, your state is being destroyed by all this immigration. And the fact that you only spend 9,000, quote only, I say that kind of uh, ironically, $9,000 per student is amazing. And the fact that you're actually one of the middle to higher ranked states in quality of education. Um, <laughs> I compare you know, it to like, well, what, in, in Texas, well, yeah, California, which is 48th and spends $36,000 a year. Yeah. Um, Oregon, you know, we spend like 30,000, 25,000 um, going by the recent, most recent um I'm looking at some of the more recent education levels and, you know, Texas is not perfect, but it's not bad. And it's, you know, it's, it's higher than California. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's not that I don't want to spend money on education either. It's just, I know what we've been spending our education money on in this state, Oregon. And it's, it's, it's not an education. I mean, we don't even have reading and mathematic requirements to graduate anymore, literally. That happened last year. Well, I mean, there's a mutation of interest within within the education system. And unless you're really dialed into education, you're not going to get a, a fine grip on, on what's going on. We are working towards, I think in Texas, we are working towards um, school choice, which is Really, and over the I really... last two, three years for adoption, I worked. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't. It looks like she cut out. But uh, school choice, for those who may not know, is where parents are given vouchers and they can send their school their child to any school, um, including uh, private schools or. Um, what they called in California uh, charter schools, which are still technically state funded to an extent, but they're run by the parents more. Um, and let's see if Sheila's back now. Nope. Okay.
And uh, a little more about the HB or Texas HB 20. Um, you know, there is a lot of money involved with it, uh, but it's mostly primarily a law enforcement bill. Um, it's going to be uh, creating, putting a person in charge that will use the existing law enforcement uh, to focus on the state and making that happen. Uh, make, you know, enforcing the laws or forcing the borders of the states. Um, immigration is such a funny thing. We, you know, we want, this country is built on bringing in people from all over. Uh, until the late 1800s, you wanted to be an American, you showed up and you started working. Uh, you're calling Gregor. Okay, where's my phone? Now I need to get it set up for her to call in. Um, I'm sorry, we're having a technical difficulty and I'm scrambling to get her set up for the way she is supposed to be set up. Because I didn't do that today because we've had such good luck recently with this. And I don't see her calling my phone. So there we are. Okay, I'm almost ready for you. I didn't set up your phone ahead of time. Yep, I'm with you on that. Yeah, but this is getting regular. Almost there. Thank you. You are a godsend. Okay, now let's see if Sheila can hear us now. Are you coming through my speakers? Can you hear me now? she got disconnected. Okay. Can you hear me now, Sheila?
you can't hear me. Why isn't your microphone not working? You seem to be connected. Um, Peter or Vlad, can you type in? You can hear me fine, right? I'm going to try something else. Hold on a second. I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to try. I don't know. Can everybody hear Sheila? The root cause says yes, we can hear. That was my first thing when I saw it, yes. Oh yeah, that's, well, it's the all-seeing eye, but with a star in the middle. I don't know what the star is supposed to represent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, their budget is $45 million a year.
Well, no, I think it's actually um, they're taking advantage of the current uh, governmental culture. That's what happened in Portland. Um, you know, somebody stepped, they stepped up and said, we will do this. And nobody else did. You notice the phrase they used in that interview that they offered it up, but nobody was around. Um, and I was reading up on Austin's experience. And, you know, the mayor actually, when the vote came to be abstained because she didn't trust them, but she couldn't pick anybody else. So instead of voting for them, she actually abstained as, as the most protest she felt she could do. Um, and in Portland, and in Portland, they're just, they are just desperate. We had a bill going through our house here, number 3501, that was supposed to legalize camping on the sidewalk, literally. Um, and yeah, and, and from what I understand, it has been defeated now. It never made it out of committee. The committee said, yeah, this is a bad idea. After 97% of the, um, feedback was, don't you dare, um, you know, it was, it was, there was a bit of a campaign here amongst some of us to, you know, I was trying to make, give a, get awareness here and get people to call the reps um, to make sure that it didn't happen. It looks like we succeeded, but it is simple. And, and uh, Urban Alchemy's reputation is not good. Uh, the woman in charge was, you know, has been caught lying in interviews Um their results are questionable at best. I don't know how many people remember the big stink about Echo Park last year. Um, oh, yeah, well, Echo Park, yes, Echo Park, it's near the uh, Dodger Stadium. And it was decided by the city council that it would be cleared out. And they ended up literally hiring Urban Alchemy to clear it out. The uh, what was supposed to happen is they were supposed to make sure they got, you know, relocated someplace else. What happened was they got kicked out and the trash picked up, but all the people who were homeless just got moved elsewhere forcibly by Urban Alchemy. Now, Urban Alchemy's business model, you know, they talked about possibly hiring the people from the previous organization that ran Arch in your interview there. Well, and 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 one of the things that Ilbert and one of the things Urban Alchemy is built on, this is their business model. This is what they pride themselves on, is that they hire what do they call long-term incarcerated people who have been to jail for a long time. In their belief, it gives them special skills to deal with homeless people. Don't ask me how that works. This is their words, not mine. So the, to be honest, the odds of uh, Urban Alchemy hiring those other people are probably slim because they're going to go look for people who have been in jail. And, and I'm all over hiring, you know, folks that can do the work. My question is, they've been in trouble in San Francisco. They've been in trouble in Los Angeles. They've been in, you know, they, they're going to get into trouble here in Austin. They're in Austin and they're going to get in trouble here in Portland um, because as some of their ex-employees who man helped manage, Okay, you're right.
but that's not a conviction. That doesn't mean they're bad. In Sausalito, yes, but not, you know, in Sausalito, Sausalito, they have proof that they did um, because several of them were, were apparently dealing in, in illegal narcotics. Um, yeah, now that that one is actually, you know, that is actually that has actually been semi-proven. The company denies it, but the news organizations in the Bay Area all say this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Are we ready for that? Okay, I'll have to work on that. But um, keeping it weird in Portland and Austin, we both of our beloved cities have the... Uh, uh, logo Portland, uh, you know, have keep it weird. 
Um, yeah, our, uh, as pointed out, Nike uh, founder just donated $2 million to the Oregon Republican Party. Um, this is very interesting in the fact that they notoriously haven't in the past. And I think, you know, it seems to me where that's the one thing I didn't open, isn't it? Um, Yeah, well, we'll see because they're about to get, um, they're, we're about to express our new law here in, in Oregon as well in the state legislature because they've been fighting, the Republicans have been fighting something by, again, not showing up. Um, and if they don't show up by May 10th, then none of them can run again next election. So we'll see.
Oh, very vaguely, very, very, very decidedly. Yes. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about it in the uh, Libertarian Party here because none of our candidates had a snowball's chance in anywhere warm, much less, you know, other places. And um, uh, Betsy literally was a last minute candidate who managed to just get under the wire. And everyone's assumption in Oregon was that she was there to pull Republican votes away because she had a decent standing on gun rights. But that's it. She's a uh, Republican in name only. Um, her district is, yeah, and, and and well, and she wasn't even a Republican in name only. She apparently won the uh, uh, primary for um, her district by having all of her people write her in on the Republican ticket. I mean, she's just her dirty politics. She was never an, ever a candidate for for serious. She was just put there to make sure that nobody else won except for our beloved Miss Kotek. And I, um, I'm pretty sure they pronounce it Albina here. And no, I don't. I've never been there. Um, just, I don't go to Portland if I can help it. I live in Hillsborough. <laughs> yeah. I'll look at that though, because that's now, now I'm fascinated because I want to find out where, what, what that is, um, the Albina neighborhood. Cause I, I mean, I've been to the Pearl district. I've been to old town. I've been to several other places, but now Albina is like, Oh, that's new. I'll have to look into that. So thank you. Sorry.
it only it's just a bunch of digits um ones and zeros and it can and it does what it's told Well, well, we don't have the we don't have the raw footage on that because I'm with you're speaking about the Tucker Carlson ones that just came out. Well, and that's the point is to me is like, you know, somebody somebody said it couldn't be fake. And it's like, how can you tell because it's so grainy? And there were some odd things about the way his mouth moved, the way his eyes moved, things like that, that to me are telltale signs of uh, AI interference. Now, I'm not saying that they lied, but I'm just saying there's no, I'm not, until I see the original high definition footage, because if it was, it was shot at Fox News, they have the original high definition footage. Well, actually today, Fox News has, um, is seeking an injunction against Media Matters to keep them from promoting, producing any other videos from this because they say this is without our permission. The Fox, Fox News has is filed an injunction on Media Matters to keep from releasing any other video that they have because it was technically, in their eyes, uh, obtained illegally and should not have been released. Now that sort of, now Fox News is saying to me, it sounds like Fox News is saying it's legit. But they didn't say it was legit. They just said it wasn't supposed to ever be released. And this is an, was a, an, an essentially a legal act and that Media Matters can produce no more of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm not supposed to share our conversations afterwards anymore?
No, I didn't. I would have stopped watching them long ago had I known that. Well, I think I just looked up that BlackRock also owns um, Diego uh, Diego Liquor, which is the owner of Smirnoff Vodka. And yeah, and Smirnoff just announced, that, as you pointed out yesterday, Smirnoff just found Vodka partners with trans women who recently disrupted Texas legislature over anti-trans bill. La Queen is also a pro-trans activist who was recently removed. So they're going to pull the trans card on Smirnoff Vodka. And that is also a BlackRock owned, at least partially owned um, corporation. So looky there. So we love BlackRock, apparently. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. California just defaulted on $18.7 billion of the loans they're supposed to pay back to the federal government. 
um, over the COVID stuff. And apparently, according to an article I read, that's you know, businesses in California are going to get hit with their tax state tax rate is going to go up by 50% in order to repay it because it has to be repaid. And the state has said, yeah, we're not going to do it. So automatically, apparently, the federal government pulls it out of the um, corporate tax and it's going to go up. Their tax is going to go from 0.6 to 0.9 or something percent. It's like, and and now that's the, you, you say point. What corporation only pays point nine percent, but in or, or you know seven percent, six percent? Well, that's just the state taxes, not the federal taxes. But they're going to raise the state tax rate, and all that money was going to have to go to the federal government. So I mean, it's it's this whole economic thing in California leading the way to trash the world. You know, there's a reason that the net gain in California is negative for people, even with all the, well, maybe not with all the uh, migrants moving in, but financially it is a net negative. They're losing all the people of, of wealth and, um, and they're going to end up going to Texas and Florida where they don't have state income taxes above 250 or below $250,000 a year. It's actually Vivek, by the way. It's Vivek. No, not Ek, not E, like an A. I know it's spelled that way, but it's actually Vivek. Vivek. Just, I'm yeah, I'm afraid I've turned into a bit of a fanboy.
Whenever you are, yes. You can't hear that? You can't hear that?
Hey, Sheila, I don't think we're getting heard. Well, barely. And I don't think they, yeah, I, I hold on. I, I don't think anybody can hear you. They can hear me, but they can't hear you. And they can't hear Laura. See, I'm listening in my other ear and I'm not hearing you. Well, try going back to your microphone. Yeah, because I, Pod Bear, that little guy on the bottom is me, and I'm trying to listen, and I can't hear, couldn't hear Laura. And Sheila's microphone still isn't working. Yeah, Sheila, you're still not coming across. And well, I can I I can hear you my on my computer, but I can't hear you on the call-in. So let me try something else. Hold on a second. Just a couple of seconds ago, when my Icon started well about two minutes ago and my icon started not shining. Yeah, well, there's just so many technical things we have going on right now. Okay, uh, well, we have Vlad, so let's bring Vlad. I got it. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Gregor. What I'm thinking is happening is, is there a way you to can hear find you? out? He can Gregor hear us fine. We can't hear him. You can't hear him, What I'm trying to understand is, why is this happening to her? Do you think there could be some device like a wife camera? I'm sorry, do that again, Vlad? Okay, Vlad, you said, what was that? Or do you, are you now breaking up, Vlad? You're doing dishes again, aren't you? Okay, we're having all kinds of fun. Vlad's not coming across either. Does anybody else want to come play? Yeah, this is why I think we need to go to Rumble. How does everybody feel about Rumble? 
Ah, the root cause, Wi-Fi jammers. Oh, is that is that Vlad? Oh, I see. That's Vlad. Okay. Mm. I'm not that paranoid. So, Sheila is off the phone. And I want to try part of that Laura thing one more time, a different way. Because I think that's important. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Alan, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, I just had an exciting four days down on the border in Kenny County, Brackettville. You know that very well. You know, you and I have been in these combat zones, in these situations. What I see happening now on our border, this is not just about dealing with some business organization called a cartel. We're facing an insurgency along our border. And I'd like to get your thoughts and perspectives. And that's why I want to talk about with you today. What do you see happening on our border? How do we get to this point where we're not protecting our national sovereignty? Um, Alan, I want to check uh, quickly. Can you hear that that growing kind of white noise in the background? No. Is that, is that on your end? It's really, really loud on this end. I just want to chat. Does that affect yes, you? Yes, they can hear me, oh, Sheila. Okay. All right. No problem then. Okay. So... You know, Alan, the border is something that uh, I'm now having trouble sleeping at night. And that's not something that happens to me very often because I'm usually pretty exhausted by the time I fall into bed and I pass out for a couple of hours. But we're in um, such a bad situation now and no one is doing anything about it or nothing substantive, it's just really not changing day after day, that uh, I've gone through various phases, right? I think I was in shock for a long time because when you figure out how bad it is and the scale of it, it really does put you into a kind of shock. I mean, we're now talking about, we could see, we knew at the end of the Trump administration, it was very obvious Biden was going to drastically change the border policies. We saw them renovating and rebuilding new facilities, mass migration facilities, um, and so on. And in the early days, I watched the administration pick up the language of the United Nations. And a lot of people don't understand this. They don't think it fits in, but this is where they're really missing the point. When the UN adopted migration as a human right in the global compact on migration. They got all of these countries to come together and say, okay, migration is not a crime. It is a human right. And therefore we have to help people exercise their human rights and we can't criminalize that. So very interesting. One of the first things Biden does when he comes in is remove the word illegal from the language of law enforcement and anybody dealing with the border, the media and so on in Chinese coming across, they can work done ahead of time. Another global body. It's to the dishonor. Anybody can look it up. You can download it. You can see how easy it is. 
And so you can download this app from anywhere in the world, whether it's Afghanistan or London, Pakistan, Venezuela, it doesn't matter. And you can try to fill that out and get your paperwork done ahead of time. Or you can hire any number of one of these organizations. Hold on, I'm trying something. That is advertising. They advertise in China, across Latin America. I've seen many commercials now that are telling you now is the time to go. Biden will let you in. You've got no worries. Just get across that border and you're good to go. Um, and here's what you do and here's how you do it. So they've got the app. Can you hear that, Sheila? Adverts. Yeah, they've hear it. Hear everything. Organizations that are now more like travel agencies. Can everybody hear Sheila? Sheila, say something. Howdy, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about all this audio problems. Can you hear me? God, I'm, I'm so sorry about all these audio problems. Send up an emoji if you can hear us. Okay, listen, I, I can hear you. They can hear you. I can hear you on my other pad. I'm monitoring as Podbear. Well, nobody's... Nobody's sending up anything. What? Well, I don't see, I mean, I don't know how many people are. Well, I have Greg, I have Thomas, I have Janine, I have Podbeer, I have Karnal, and I have Blotty, who's still got a muted mic. Let me see if I bring him up to the speaker column if he'd say anything. Let's see if he'll jump. Sometimes he'll he'll uh he'll move if you move him. <laughs> so Podbear is sending up emojis because he can hear you. Okay, good, good. Okay, that's good. All right, excellent. Lottie, are you there? Can you hear us? Just say something if you can hear us. Okay, Slaver Ukraini. Greg. Can you hear us? Send up an emoji. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Someone, someone other than me speak. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I hear you and Putin is a war criminal. Good. Speech is real. Speech is real. Okay. That's, that's excellent. Uh, Greg has confirmed that he can hear us. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. This is true. This is terrible. Greg, I don't know what the hell is going on from your end of things. Do you want to jump up here and talk? No. Okay, that's fine. You must be tired today. I'm, I'm sure you've been Slava Ukraini all week. <laughs> it's not a fun time to be a Ukrainian. Um, <laughs> woo! Um, so, uh, does anybody want to cover some of the UN traffic, uh, parallel government that has just kind of been superimposed upon, uh, the United States that is causing the endorsement with our tax dollars of all this mass migration? Does anybody want to offer any kind of thoughts or ideas or conclusions? We're open, open for speakers. It's we're going on, on like almost an hour and a half now. Podbear, Lottie, anyone? Podbear is my secret identity. You really don't want me to talk twice. 
Okay, I've been checking with my friends to see if they're still alive amid the Russian mass murder. Okay. It's a war, so God bless you for, for checking on your friends. Well, you know, um, Greg, uh, I do. I did you hear the news that the Wagner Group is talking about um, leaving Bakhtun? Uh, yeah, they're they're oh, leaving, but the it's because they're they're they've advanced. They have enough forces there, so they're going to to more fertile ground for war. This war, the guys. Yeah, I thought it was because they weren't. This thing is over. This, yeah, this no, this thing is over. This thing is over by the summer. I've Colonel McGregor called it out. This thing is over by the summer. Ukraine will belong to Russia. Can you hear me? I want I want candy for for proper enunciation. Please tell me yes if you. Yeah, we can hear you. What I was saying, you Colonel McGregor, Colonel Colonel McGregor had called it out. He's been okay, somebody's flagging the thumbs up, so that's good. Yeah. So apparently Sheila can't hear you. I, okay. No, basically what I'm saying is Colonel McGregor had called it out since last year. But as the, as the year started coming into March in, 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 in April, he's been saying very sooner than expected. NATO is not giving them what they need in order for Ukraine to win the war. They would need four, okay, whatever a brigade is, if anybody knows military things, which some of you probably know better than me. So this thing is over. They're not getting bullets. They don't have manpower. And the leak, the leaks that we got in March from that, from that uh, uh, Texera guy who was uh, involved in that, Nike, proved a lot. That's why they hate the leaks and they know they can't do nothing about it. The leak said a lot. And what did the leak say? That the numbers that, that, that they had attributed to the death of Russia was a complete lie. The numbers belong to, to of Ukrainian deaths. They don't belong on the Russian side. They belong on the Ukrainian side. And it's sad. Nobody wants that. But it is a war after all. But they've been lying. Again, propaganda by our own government. So they will be losing the war soon. This thing is over by the summer. All they need is one. This is why he's saying, look, most of the time, this guy, the, the Wagner group, he doesn't talk. For him to say something like that means that there's something greater happening already to put an end to the war. It's a beautiful well, Greg, thing. You're welcome to come up if you want to blab. Uh, do you mind if I make a comment about the Wagner? Go ahead, Alexi. That's your turn. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm just going to point out that Wagner is a private military company. So unlike the regular military, they need to promote themselves and staying in the news coverage. And uh, the lack of ammunition is also part of internal, you know, bickering because more ammunition is always good, you know. No one ever, ever has enough, you know, ammunition. There's like never enough. More is not bad. So it's internal politics plus self-promotion, I think, mm. uh, with the Wagner staying sort of trying to stay in the news, you know. 
because the more they are in use, the more contracts they will get after the war from, you know, foreign companies and all that stuff. It's like, you know, there's no bad publicity sort of idea. And gotcha. uh, I think this part of it, at least, you know, um, but overall about the war in Ukraine. Yeah, I think it's kind of winding down because, I mean, it's my personal view. Obviously, I'm not claiming to speak the truth here. Um, but I mean, America really kind of expected Russia to fold over, or, you know, fairly quickly or at least to sign some kind of a peace deal because they really need to go after, I mean, we really need to go after China, right? It's like the longer this drags out, the later we can pivot over there. And uh, I mean, it's obvious because already in the- you Hey, know, Gregor, am I still on? Yes, you are. Um, if there's a gate for me to speak, I'm gonna just weigh in just a little bit. Okay, well, Alexi was, oh, Alexi just muted himself, or go ahead, so it's all yours. Everybody's muted. Okay, um, I'm not, I'm not privy to, to this particular war contractor, but I, I tend to agree that if the United States government is financing any, any particular war group, they need to, to, to make that clear. And I'm not sure who the Wagner is working for. Is that, is that Germany? No, actually, it's Russia. It's who? Oh, it's Russia. So mm -hmm. it's a Russian war contractor. Yes. Okay. And as a Russian war contractor, because they're probably not having very much success with getting, um, getting their regular population to comply willingly with the conscription, uh, they have to hire. To, to get it done, hire the professionals. <laughs> They're wasting a lot of bodies and a lot of money on, on this war, and they could do it right or they could do it long and, and unsuccessful. Well, I think part so, of it is... Um, this is the, the scope of, of all warfare. I mean, throughout history, there's always been uh, war contracting. And is Alexei a, a Russian citizen or a Ukrainian? or? I don't know. He was, about, he was about to talk, so let's let him answer that question. Okay, go ahead. Just for everybody knows, um, she, Sheila can't hear you for some reason. We haven't figured that one out. We can hear her fine, and we'll take turns. And Alexi, it's your turn. I'm going to the to the regular website so that I can I can listen to the discussion, and then when I'm ready to speak, I'll unmute on my other application that I'm using to. Oh, thank you. To speak yeah, to Gregor. Well, to answer <laughs> Sheila's question, I'm 35. Now. I live. 17 years. Oh, go ahead, Alexi. It's your Russia turn. And about 17 years in the U.S. I'm both a U.S. and Russian citizen. And I was actually born in Kharkiv, Ukraine. Well, back then, USSR. Um, um, about the idea about, uh, you know, conscription and all that. Um, yeah, well, yeah, in part, mm -hmm. Wagner has been employed based on the same rationale as when, you know, U.S. after the Vietnam War switched to, you know, contractors instead of conscription because basically if people elect to join the military and get paid for it you know you can't say that, oh we forced them to go fight you know they chose it themselves so part of it is the same ideology idea sort of you know because those casualties will not be impacting public opinion as, as hard because those people volunteered yeah they, they can
Well, and, and we, we used organizations like Blackwater, which are an American, um, quote, security agency, um, and probably very similar in structure to the Wagner Group. Uh, and yeah, we never heard about, heard about the losses from Blackwater. Um, so that's a valid point. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, mercenaries have been around since the beginning of time. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, just to point out something like, usually when the, because America is, has been, you know, the dominant force in the world, like when America does something and it works, other people copy it because, you know, obviously it's been proven to work. So why not? Well, thank you. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that America is, you know, at one time had, was noble and, and we've gotten over it. Um, I would like us to see us extricate ourselves from being a world leader, but I'd rather focus on just being the producer that we used to be. Um, you know, I, I, but I'm so tired of all of these wars. I mean, I've been, I'm a little bit older than most people. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 60 and seen an awful lot of stuff go through, you know, the tail end of the Vietnam war, uh, all the quote police actions that happened, all the little tiddly things we had going on between the Soviet Union, where we'd supply one side, they supply the other. Uh, it's just, this is, this is a total insanity. Um, the way we've been doing business as a globe. Uh, I'm not a globalist. I don't want to see a world government. I just rather see us have open trade everywhere and let everybody figure out what's the best way to interact with each other instead of having all this fighting, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I, can I break in, Gregor? I, it's, it's really impossible to do adequate free trade in a hot war. So it's it's so difficult to to kind of compete with war, which makes so much money for so few people. And then there's regular commodified, you know, free trade where, you know, you're selling clothing, food and, and goods and services um, through through peacetime, which can be exceptionally prosperous. Uh, it's, it's how ch China has grown astronomically. But. They have uh, an internal conflict about the nature of business. You know, they see uh, free trade and commerce as as a social ill. To to because the government doesn't own everything over there, the government owns everything supposedly, but it's still transactional to a, a point where we're we're supposed to look at China as just another business partner, but it's it's a it's Chinese corporate communism. And the way that they've been doing things is, is to slowly put a tourniquet on, on free trade, you know, through censorship here and, and injecting a, a, a Chinese goose standard over here, technically through, through lots of uh, administrative rigmarole. You know, and, and you, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Okay, and they're they're challenging our NATO partners, who are our best allies, to behave this way, and, and that becomes a competitive standard, or they're trying to to mirror a competitive standard with Chinese authoritarianism. And this is how we, you know, what it passes as the excuse of free trade. 
isn't free trade at all. It's it's a corporatized form of communism. So I, I just wanted to say that to clarify the reason why there's so, such a nosedive in, in free trade is because it's not it's not really free trade. I'm not going to argue against that because I 100% agree. Uh, it's just that's what I would like to get to. Oh, Alexi, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, I just wanted to point out corporatized communism. I don't really understand what you mean by that because communism is basically, uh, you know, a uh, economy that is controlled from the center. It's like, you know, so if you well, have multiple corporations, it's really can't be communism. What they started, um, what what China started, especially with the uh, return of Hong Kong, is they forced all those companies to suddenly have members of the Communist Party on their boards. And right. technically speaking, according to paperwork, uh, these businesses like Tencent and Alibaba and all these others are technically free organizations but they are controlled by the board that has you know like the russian the uh communist member of the board will have 10 votes and there'll be nine people on the board so but i mean i'm sorry go ahead so and you know so, so what it is is that and they work very hard at, at trying to manufacture everything that we used to manufacture here i mean that was the whole point of opening up china was to make them become capitalists but what they have done is they've uh, managed to take what we thought would become capitalism and turn it into a another form of communism but it's a communism that's based on trade with us if we were to cut the trade off to china not only would we have a huge number of problem because nothing is made here anymore including many most of our medications but they would collapse in in probably weeks or days because they need us to be buying those things in order to prop themselves up so it's a weird sort of uh, well, Ramora kind of relationship. Yeah, it's like a symbiosis. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, you mean, yeah, people obviously have dif uh, different viewpoints, but I, I, I don't really believe in uh, idealism sort of, you know, motivation, because not many people are willing to take great risks and lose a bunch of population for someone else's benefit. Like unless you brainwash them or, you know, convince them of, oh, that's a noble goal or something. And people in power are definitely smart enough not to do that. Uh, so we definitely benefited from having cheaper products here. And on top of that, by exporting industrial jobs to China, we killed our unions here to prevent, you know, our our country of becoming more socialist, you know, because like marketers and salespeople, they're not the kind of people that unionize, you know, they compete against each other. So, I mean, there's always multiple kind of factors that go into any decision. So uh, yeah, you know how they're saying you now, Oh, we hope China would become freer by, you know, becoming wealthier. I think that's kind of a, uh, not, not realistic. Uh, and speaking about free trade to begin with, uh, yeah, that's uh, that whole idea is also, I think, uh, more of a propaganda thing because it started after World War II when most of the world industry was basically destroyed. So when you're starting way ahead and then you're saying, oh, let's have equal footing, you know, no restrictions, that's not exactly a fair game, you know, like our economy in the United States like we didn't really build our economy based on free trade. 
you know, we had restrictions on imports and exports. We exported cotton and stuff, you know. So, yeah, free trade is not really a thing. Um, well, and to an extent, you're absolutely correct. I mean, we haven't really had a lot of free trade since probably at least the 1800s. Um, you know, and that started with World War One and the, you know, and the turn of uh, the 19th, the 18th, uh, the 18th, uh, the 19th to 20th centuries. Uh, and that was a product of the progressive, you know, movement where they were trying to keep make sure that we were in charge of everything. The Marshall Plan after the war was the whole purpose of rebuilding, which gave us, uh, you know, Japan and Germany as we see them now, which were for the longest time after the war major producers. And between the three of us, you know, we took over the economies of the world pretty heavily. Um, so I, you know, I, I agree that there's no such thing as free trade now, but as a, as a, to me, that's part of what needs to, we need to get back to the idea that we let the market reign and do what it's supposed to do right now. We have such control. And I mean, in this country as well, the federal government controls so much of the manufacturing to the point where it's almost impossible to get anything done, um, with any kind of innovation. One of my, you know, the, one of my favorite examples of this is the catalytic converter, you know, had Congress not re legislated that you needed to put this in particular device on an uh, internal combustion engine, how different would our world be if we would just said that you had to reduce the emissions to this level, let the market figure it out. And, you know, who knows, we might've, uh, we might've been able to, uh, um, come up with it you know we might be in flying cars now almost i mean that's that's an imaginary world but you know we could have had a much different world had we been able to have a free market instead of being forced to use catalytic converters and internal combustion engines and therefore restricted what kind of innovations we had um but that's you know that's a fictional i'll admit that's a fictional thought but it's the way the world used to work and how from the 1700s at 450 dollars per person per year annual income, we went from that $450 in the 1700s to over $6,000 in the 20th century. Um, and it's because the economy grew, and that's globally, that wasn't just the US, that's globally $450 per person per year in 1990 dollars to, you know, over 6,600 per year globally, on average, the, net, uh, the income of, uh, per person. So you invited Greg to speak to us. That's nice. I don't see Greg. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he didn't accept. He okay. didn't accept, but he has been invited to speak. Okay. The way he has the opportunity to to weigh in and rebut some of the things that are being claimed, because he has an unusual perspective, mm -hmm. and uh, he is Ukrainian, and so he he deserves, in my um, estimation, the ability to to rebut claims on his nation or nationhood status. I just wanted to make that available to him. Uh, whether he takes it is, is his is his decision. I understand. I agree with you a thousand percent. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, if you could kind of tell us, you know, what are some of the things that you're listening to the show and you're hoping to, to see or hear? Uh, some of the things that you like, some of the things that you you don't necessarily like it'd be really helpful besides um, the technical so difficulties which we're aware of oh, God. 
if you guys could really just, you know, send an email to, to Charlie Weiser or to Colin and let them, you know, know that this is a really troubled, technically troubled podcast. It's been successively attacked every Saturday uh, for probably seven, eight weeks now. Pretty close. So, go ahead, Gregor. No, I just said pretty close, seven or eight weeks. Yeah, and, and it's it's that I have had so many things, so many hurdles to. I'm I'm just glad and feeling good about the fact that we had a show. I'm sorry that that Laura didn't get her her full set in. But the, the nut is, is that the UN has a policy for migration. Nobody passed it through the American government uh, with consent of the people, consent of the governed, okay? Uh, but it was adopted executively as policy along with this Bali 2020 for, for World Economic Forum rip and read. Um, and it's it's very top down. There's no consent of the governed involved. It's very globalist. It's very one way. And uh, yes, bubs, I hear you. My cat is yelling at me. It makes it even more difficult to have a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, can you hear him? No, I can't. Okay, good. That's excellent. Um, so. I might just put him in the in. I'm going to mute my mic and, and go go deal with that. Okay. Um, and Greg, uh, so you're not Ukrainian. That was an assumption on our part. Thank you very much. Um, and it's the majority opinion, and I'm not Ukrainian. So, okay, that you know, that's fine. Thank you. Um, so, what if, what does anybody think about uh, the right to migrate? Uh, Laura, Lara's. Uh, you know, talking about the UN and how they've tried to establish a right to migrate. I've lived in a couple of different countries. I visited, you know, 10 or 15. And I don't know any place in the world where you have a right, or you didn't used to, at least when I was traveling in the 80s, uh, 1980s, um, you you had a right to migrate. I found it challenging to get around uh, most of my experiences, Europe and Africa. But, uh, you know, it's, it's at the time the EU wasn't formed yet. So I still had to have passports to go between Germany, France and Belgium, which were the three countries I visited first. Um, and, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a huge hassle, but it was just you show your passport or you had to get visas or whatever like that. Uh, now, of course, a lot of that has changed in the last 15, 20 years. Uh, because of all the refugees from various places that have invaded these countries. Um, and I use the term invasion. Um, it's, you know, so many of these countries uh, in Europe where they have taken in refugees have put them all in one place. And in some places like Sweden and, and even in Great Britain, you have entire cities that have been taken over, or at least major neighborhoods that have been taken over and rule themselves as they, you know, they won't integrate and become Swedish, English, French. Um, they try really hard to remain. There's nothing wrong with being proud of your culture, but it's like, if you're going to live in a country, you, obey the laws. you should obey the laws. 
Um, you know, when I was in Africa, guess what? I had to obey African laws. I was under no delusions that if I broke the laws, that nasty things would happen to me. Um, and, uh, and just as a trying to be the unugly American, I did my best to, you know, incorporate, incorporate whatever courtesies of their culture demanded, regardless of what those were, or they made me feel, um, you know, my job there was to be, uh, a nice person, just like it is my job to be a nice person here to the best of my ability. Um, anyway, where are we at, Sheila? Well, I, I just want to uh, add to what you're saying that um, through Panama and through these, these other places where there, there's trans-migratory policy, you know, I, I'm not hearing from Latin American leaders about how it's impacting them. Because most of this is being, you know, agitated by the cartels. The cartels go into these countries and they say they will either create a situation that is untenable, forcing the migration, and then profiteering from that migration, uh, which in and of itself is a human rights violation. And then the, the American government somehow... Uh, this particular administration is, is fostering or um, enabling it. Okay, they're not dealing with the cartels in, at all. Okay, they're saying this is migration. It is a migratory issue. They, they won't go and deal with the quote-unquote root causes, um, which are the cartels. So I know that there is a either a predatory interest or someone who is going to do exactly nothing if they are using the terms migration, immigration, migration. Mm -hmm. Okay. If they're talking about the cartels and they're talking about drug running have to be the and human trafficking, those people are motivated to stop the problem. So I just wanted to, to, to put that on the plate because no matter what the UN is doing, um, a idea to flood a population with people who won't obey the laws and won't. Sheila, it sounds like, there you go. Okay. Yeah, it was, I dropped out there for just a second. Um, I'm doing my best, but I'm telling you, whoever doesn't want me to say these things, it is it is a communist idea to to both censor speech and and to tell the people that are coming in, you don't have to obey the local laws. And um, that's not my idea. It's 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 communist doctrine. Well, define have to obey the laws, Lexi. Um... I'm sorry, Alexi, my apologies. Um, there are neighborhoods in places and even here in the United States where there are so many people of a certain nationality and, 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 and it could be different nationalities. I'm just saying the nationalities grouped together and formed a conclave. Um, but there's actually parts of Europe where the town running their themselves sort of stuff like that. Yeah. And, and they actually, the police don't go there. Um, the laws, you know, there are, there are p places in England and France where Sharia law is actually followed. 
um, and, and yes. against French law. Um, you know, those places exist. They're not supposed to exist. And yes, they're supposed to obey the laws of the country you're in. But if it's not in oh, where, if, uh, where you live, Greg, no if you don't mind me asking, generally. Um, generally. You know, I, I know there was in oh. San Diego where I grew up, there was, you know, yeah, it's kind of funny because I'm actually in Central uh, Valley in California. In and places, we have a ton uh, of Mon people uh, and Armenians. In the 70s, Vietnam, where we had a large contingent, um, where if you didn't speak Vietnamese, you, you had trouble getting around. What was that? Sorry, you are a boomer for using Orientals. That dates you. I know. Well, I am what I am. I'm not going to. Well, and Orientals could be from various countries, but Vietnam was something we had a lot of. We also have a lot of Russians were Orientals. Well, technically speaking, you are correct. I live in Oregon right now. I grew up in San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in San Diego, there was a city, there's a city just east of San Diego called El Cajon, and there was a very large Arminian, and, you know, nicest people in the world. They had great fares, good food. You know, I had no problems with them, but they were a people unto themselves for the most part, um, which is not necessarily wrong, but part of it, me is, you know, when I lived in Africa, my goal is six foot four and pale as pale as paint, pale, pale as milk, um, was to try to fit into the best of my ability where I didn't, you know, promote my own personal culture. I tried to become part of, you know, the neighborhood. Um, now I did stick out because everybody around me was five foot six and I was six foot four and I was white and this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, I tried to fit into the best of my ability because that's what you do when you come to, you know, you go to a country, even well, if you're visiting, right? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah. And at the same time, not I have a comment to say about that. I mean, obviously, if you remember apartheid in South Africa mm -hmm. and the conquistadors in Latin America, you know, they didn't exactly try to fit in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I when I was in Lesotho, Africa, you can look that up. It's this little tiny country in the southern part surrounded on three sides by the Republic of South Africa, um, which was at the time apartheid. It was in 1981 to 1983 I was there. Um, so yes, I remember apartheid very well. Um, and I didn't like, yeah, it I mean, I just used like extreme examples, but I mean, 19, 20 year old American, it drove me nuts whenever we went over to the Republic to, cause the Republic had just had better economics and I couldn't get in Lesotho. Uh, Lesotho is a wonderful country. It's a member of the British Commonwealth. Most people speak between three and five languages and English is always included in that. Um, but I worked really hard at learning my Bantu uh, and, you know, learning to do what I was supposed to do to be a good cultural ambassador uh, or at least to get, you know, somebody who somebody could feel comfortable around. But, you know, I, I remember we went to Bloemfontein, which is a South African city with some friends. And, you know, we ended up splitting up our group because some of us were black and some of us were white and the black, the white guys wanted to go to the movies and the black folks couldn't join us. And, um, you know, so I, so some of them, you know, we had to split up and do things and I won't get into the story. My nobility was that I didn't go to the movie, but, uh, it was just, and we ended up breaking laws at restaurants because there was a restaurant there that he wouldn't have enforced the apartheid rules. He knew us because we went there once a month for two years and he knew who we were. And so we could bring our friends into his restaurant. 
Um, and his feeling was, well, the people serving you are black. Why can't the people eating here be black? Right? <laughs> Our apartheid was a very stupid, you know, as we as we experienced in this country as well, when we essentially had the same thing, which should be acknowledged and and it shouldn't happen. But hey, can I break in there? I really want to add something. Okay, Alexia, you mind if Sheila goes? Thanks. Go, Sheila. Well, I, I want I want Alexi to, to to measure his point, but um, I think that there's a new movement in America which is atrocious. Uh, we we struggled so long to get segregation out of the mix, okay, and and then we had a good twenty, twenty five, thirty years where there were people successively uh, moved together into neighborhoods, integrated uh, population. Um, of all different stripes, nationalities, colors, uh, interracial marriages, uh, more mulatto, mestizo, uh, mixed race marriages of all kinds, of all mm -hmm. kinds. And um, so the move to kind of desegregate the population and put us into like our own self-measuring caste system is a brand new thing. And it's, it's something that's only happened in the last, like, three years, three, five ma years, maybe. But the idea isn't a, 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 a measure of the whole. It is a measure of a very activated, small-minded minority who are Marxists. And um, they don't, you know, they're not going to observe the rights of people who can't extricate themselves from one column or another, so they are beginning to put their own tape on things and saying, okay, if you are this much white, well, then you're white and then we can oppress you. And, and everybody will be oppressed equally in this system, by the way. Um, there, there won't be anyone rich or anyone really, really poor. It'll just be everybody's kind of miserable together. And, uh, the people who have too much or they think have too much, well, they'll take it from them and give it to the rest. And that's what communism is. Yep. Alexi, did you want to respond? Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, cause I, I, I know a little, I think I probably know a little bit more about communism. So I, I really don't, <laughs> that's a whole can of worms. I mean, like I said, I've been here 17 years. I've been in Russia for 17 years and, from my personal experience talking to regular Americans, they, most of them ex to the extreme point dislike communism, but pretty much all of them don't have any idea what it actually is. Uh, yeah. That's just my, my personal opinion. I'm not saying you guys are guilty of that or anything. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, well, but, I mean, just tell me what you mean, Alexi. I'm sorry? What do you I'm mean? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, like the way you describe communism, that's not exactly what it is. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it seems to me that that's what, what the Marxist interpretation. Well, let's say like, you know, the Russian empire before communist. Right if you're trying to tell me that's not communism because it's not Russian style communism, why don't you just tell me what you mean? Okay. He, he's about uh, to. Yeah. I'm sorry, could because I, I was speaking over her, so I didn't hear the first part. Do you mind repeating, Sheila? Why don't you just tell us what you mean in terms of your own interpretation? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, communism is basically working together for a common goal instead of 
working for personal, you know, fulfillment, like to reach your personal goals. So, I mean, it's, it's basically, it's the same cause here, you know, people will try to get rich, but at the same time, they like to do good for society. Right. So it's kind of similar, but the priority is on society, not yourself personally to put it like extremely simply. Okay. Well, that seems like more like a, a philosophy or a religion and not a governing system that, that, controls economies well that's why communists didn't have religion because that was basically their motivating you know their set of uh priorities and like core beliefs whatever are, are you a communist i'm not a communist i'm not an anything i think all you know pretty much every religion every ideology has some good parts about it like and it's not very smart to blindly just pick one and follow it you know you just got to you know, combine them and take the best out of all of them. I don't necessarily believe that, but I, I respect your views. Well, I mean, in the, like, you know, like current situation, you know, obviously there's some problems that we're facing as human species. Well, and if everyone just follows personal or even national, you know, priorities, we're going to have a hard time to accomplish anything. Um, I'm going to argue with you a little bit there. Um, and I don't disagree that the concept of needing to be concerned about your community and con concerned about, you know, making betterment of society, absolutely correct. That is a normal aspect of any government. The goal is to make sure everybody can, you know, have an opportunity. Now, one of the things that I'm going to argue against is what you're, you're calling communism to me doesn't exactly fit what the people who promoted it fit uh, being that the folks that promoted communism as we understood it in the eighties and nineties and the 1918, um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about the Russian empire before 1918. Um, and we'll, I'll talk about that in half as part of part of this discussion, but freedom of freedom of uh, enterprise a true free market, in order for it to work, you have to be focused on benefiting the society, not yourself. Okay, it's, 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 a, it's to me, it's true capitalism work only works when people are working to better not only themselves, but their products and make it better for everybody. Now, you can call that selfish if you want, but when I ran a restaurant, one of the things that you have to do is you have to make the customers happy. There's nothing you can, you can't function unless you make the comf uh, customers happy. It's that simple. And it's true for any kind of product. Now, what we called communism in the Reagan era, yes, I'm dating myself, um, wasn't even what Marx would have called necessarily communism. It was a different kind of a totalitarian state, thanks to, you know, Vladimir and his, his buddy Stalin. Um, and uh, it, but the, it, with that central control, they were unable to create the economy that the Russian people deserved. Now, when you go before that, you go to the imperialistic um, Russian, uh, you know, the czarist Russians. Guess what? You have a powerful group of people in control who ended up taking all the money. And so therefore the Russians, again, didn't benefit as much. Um, yeah. you know, from that kind of thing. 
Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm a firm believer in the free market only because when we had something close to it, and yes, we've never actually had a totally free market, I'll admit that freely, but when we had something close to it, everything got better in this country, including the de de demolition of, of slavery. Um, and after that, we had a, an incredible boom, economic boom in this country that even, you know, brought on the roaring 20s. Uh, where there was, you know, a huge economic advantage, which collapsed when the government got involved with regulating things in the stock market and brought us to the 1929 collapse. And then we tried to regulate our way out of that, which made it last longer in this country than anywhere else in the world. The Great Depression of 1929 only lasted about three years in the rest of the world. And here it was closer to 12. So um, the government getting out of the way is to me generally the best move. Now, within a structure of individual freedom, that's what this country was supposed to be originally. And we've gotten away from that because what is our government currently doing? The, uh, this week in hearings during the uh, hearings talking to people for the uh, Department of Energy, they were talking about how much they were trying to spend on green energy, which at best is the most expensive form of energy there is. And they're trying to push it really hard in order, but they're not willing to push the, the other forms of energy, which are proven safe. And they've not been willing to you know, push the kinds of energy that would actually make a difference. They want to push their agenda. As long as the government keeps pushing the agenda, instead of saying, we need clean energy, we don't care how you make it. This is the rules. You know, you have to be safe and you can make it any way you want. Then we'll see an energy boom and we'll probably find a big, huge carbon reduction, which is what everyone's goal is. Okay. I'd like to break in and, and add a, a few thoughts. Um, it's that you can have a philosophy and you can, you can idealize something that, that might seem uh, like communism, but, but the Marxist edge of these things has been really tough to live with. Now, I can see that in Russian culture... You know, they went from a monarchy to communism, which is not necessarily that different, except for it had a lot of bread lines and soup lines, and the government was picking the winners. Sounds now, like us. Overregulate things. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want it to go that direction. Sorry. But but this is we're not in bread lines right now, and but there was that during COVID, so that should that should say something to you is that all the government centralized the resources, the money, everything came from the government during COVID. And if you didn't enjoy government administration on the crash during COVID, then you won't love communism. You know, if you don't like getting your checks from the government and, and going to get food boxes from the government because they control all of the resources, the medicine and what you can do when you can leave your house. You don't own yourself. You take the medicine they tell you to make when you should take it. You won't like communism. Mm -hmm. So uh, I didn't. I moved to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's kind of why I only briefly touched communism initially and I said I didn't want to really get into it because it's a huge topic. I mean, all I'm going to say about that and I hopefully let's return to migration thing. 
uh, yeah, Soviet Union was never communist. Communism was the ideology. Soviet Union never reached the stage of communism. You know, it was socialist country. But like I said, I really don't want to get into deeper into the woods because it's such a complicated topic. Uh, yeah. Let's just stick to immigration if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, just let's assume that I surrendered my point. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, well, just, just for you know, it's, it's not about surrendering, and and thank you for sharing. And fine, we can talk about immigration. That's not a problem. I'm just saying it's like when if we stick to one topic, it's, it's easier because the, if we talk about communism, there's so many different aspects. You know, we'll be all over the place, and we'll spend two days and we'll reach nothing, basically. Granted, go. Well, we don't uh, have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Back to migration. I think. There's like a little bit of difference, right, between European migrant crisis and American, because here, part of it is because we basically don't have a decent enough legislation to allow seasonal workers. Like, intentionally, politicians just don't want to pass it. We obviously need them to be here to help us, but politicians just don't want to legalize it. <laughs> and then, uh, in, uh, Europe, a lot of migration is the effects of you know, the wars in the Middle East, like destabilizing other countries. So obviously people are going to go someplace where they can feed their families, you know. And uh, part of the problem with uh, refusal to integrate into the societies is because, like, say, a French guy moving to U.S., right, it's not that much of a difference. And, like, people from Middle East or Africa or Southeast Asia, you know, for thousands of years, They've found a way, you know, they struggled, made mistakes and found a way how to coexist peacefully together. And that, that, you know, social structure, it's not something you can easily change in one or two generations. Like Russians, because they're mostly European. I mean, we have aspects of, you know, Asian, Middle Eastern cultures, but we're pretty close to European. So we can integrate fairly well, but basically, the more different the culture is, the more difficult it is for them to integrate. You know, it's, I mean, let, let's say someone from, you know, China, they, hold on, hold on a second, Sheila, he's not quite done. I'm saying it's like, it's down to such basic things as like, you know, Chinese people, their bodies evolved to survive on like rice. You know, like Japanese people eat sushi. It's like when you come to another country and that food, food staple is not available, like you're going to get physically sick. So I'm, I'm just saying that's like just one basic aspect. There's just a ton of other things that it's not necessarily their choice. It's kind of their psychology, basically, that it's very difficult for them to change, restructure their whole, the whole mindset, you know, to integrate. Okay, Sheila. I mean, migration is a choice. It's it's a choice to be in in a foreign place that's that's alien, essentially to to your culture and to your your way of life. Um, I, I I'm not saying I'm not disinviting people who want to come here legally and and, and start businesses and 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 begin their life in America. I'm not saying that they should abandon all of their customs, abandon their personhood. No, you come to America to be who you are and, and to kind of pursue your, your ideas, your dreams, your vision 
of what you want to do. Very creative people come to the Americas because they want to flesh out a vision of what's in their head. And that's, that's always been my kind of idea of what Americanism is too. Because people come here so that they can make their best clothes, you know, make their watches, uh, grow, grow uh, big farms, you know, do, do something that they have a vision for to do. Some people just want a different type of lifestyle and they have something to offer the world in, in, a, in a small way, in a small ecosystem. Um, but, you know, they're, they're trying to push their individual virtue into a, a more uh, free place where they're kind of able to just do it. And that's, that's kind of like my interpretation to share with you. It's, it's not to get people to conform to what is America. It, it, the people come here to, to, to be themselves, do themselves, do you, as they say. Uh, when I go to another nation, it's a different story. I'm, I'm conforming to the direction of, of what the population is and does. And it was, I'll give you an, a for instance. When I moved to Seattle, it was such a culture shock that I didn't think I was actually in America anymore. I thought I was in a, a, in a subdivision of Vancouver. And I didn't like the, the way I was living. I, I didn't like the way things were going. I didn't like the way that the laws were being interpreted. I didn't like the way that the culture was shoved at me. Um, I didn't like the way that people were railing against religion constantly, like it was a bad thing instead of a, a human right or, or an American right to do so. I didn't feel like I'd lived in America. It was very limiting. Yeah. And, um, you know, we are seeing that kind of thing happen here. And, I, you know, I'm with you 100% people, people that come. I mean, I celebrate Christmas in a, in a Scandinavian manner because that is my um, heritage. Um, it's tradition. I've never lived in Scandinavia. But I, but I also, on the other hand, um, you know, there's a certain minimum expectation for what you, what America is. And part of it is based on the First Amendment, your freedom of religion. Um, you know, your freedom to have open thoughts, the freedom to be able to speak your mind to your uh, representatives, which in places like Washington and Oregon, at least, they're really working hard to figure out a way to restrict by not allowing you to, you know, the, the whole Zoom meeting thing where they can just hang up on you, to me is, you know, an indication of how bad off things are getting. Um and so, yeah, you know, come here and work and come here and be part of the community in so much as that you open a business and you become productive and you serve your community to the best of your ability, no matter where you're from, that benefits everybody around you. Just don't. But the problem is, as Americans and, the, you know, these people who are most of the people that promote the laws that we're seeing that are restricting these things are from here. They're not from somewhere else. And, you know, to me, that is the saddest part is that we are destroying ourselves. Of course, you know, Lincoln and Washington both predicted that's what would happen. 
So, um, oh, look, Vlad's back. How you doing? I'm back. But anyway, I, I kind of thank you. I want to respond to Greg. Welcome back, brother. seems to be uh, one-sided, very myopic. He forgets that. That I know, because uh, the well, the thing is, if he's in my optic and he uh, actually study history, he, he would notice that Ukraine's never been the good guy, but it's always made to look like it's a victim. It's very similar in our politics here in America. Certain groups are made to yeah, look yeah, like a victim, and you know you come in with. Yeah, I'm uh, here. So many, so many we're having are, some trouble are, hearing are, you. You're a little bit robotic, but we're hearing most of what you're saying. So many, many people are here to made out to, to by the left to fight bloody murder. So that's, that's very similar to Ukraine. Our country has been involved so much because it's been wanting to make it a needle niche. And I hope at the bear rightfully, without pun intended. The who's the bear? Russia. Okay. And what was the whole point? I asked this question. From, uh, oh, from Vlad, I'm sorry, you're really breaking up. I can't understand your question. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I part of me can see Greg's point. Um, you know, that Ukraine didn't ask to have the Bombast region taken over. Uh, the other part of me is, you know, we promised back in the 1980s that Ukraine would not become part of NATO. Um, you know, if if the last time Russia tried to make a almost bordering nation um, part of their defense strategy. And some people may remember 1962, you know, I was not born yet, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, but, uh, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis was because Russia wanted to place uh, missiles there. And I'm not excusing Russia for what they're doing. I think this whole thing needs to stop now. Um, and, you know, we need to, then there needs to be some sort of agreement to happen to stop the fighting, period. Because I'm not sure really, except for the Ukrainians who are struggling to get, uh, uh, the Ukrainians who are struggling to, you know, survive, which is their right. Um, th there needs to be something to, you know, and, we need, there needs to be a way to stop this. And I'm just, my, my part of my problem is, is I don't see the solution that's going to make everybody happy. Um, there isn't one as far as I can tell. Um, so, you know, Greg and I don't disagree entirely, but we also don't agree on everything I'll have to say. Um, but anyway, that's, again, we're back to the Russian thing instead of the uh, immigration thing. Um and Sheila, did you want to go with something? Okay, hang on. I'm going to jump in to save you. Okay, I wanted to let everybody know we're going to wrap at 4.30. Um, 
migration is not wrong. It's not bad. We don't think badly of you, but there are bad impacts when there's too much too soon and in a flood. Now, I think that in terms of like Texas and the border region of the United States, where I am, uh, unfortunately, we are going to suffer much more uncontrolled migration. Okay. It's one thing if there's a little trickle and five people get through and, uh, you know, they're here to, to work the seasonal fields and like, ah, okay, you know, and then they go back to Mexico. It used to be like that in the 1980s. You know, it would be like, oh, you rascals, you, you, you got over the Rio and, and uh, don't you do that. And, you know, pick the fruit and get out of here. Um, <laughs> but it's not like that anymore. <laughs> People come over the border and they just stay and they don't leave. They're not Mexicans. They are coming here because they're, they're driven up here by the cartels and have been since the, the 90s and the late, late 80s. And, and it's due to the drug trade. They, they found another margin for business in the drug trade doing human trafficking. And so this has caused all kinds of largesses that, that Mexican economies and El Salvadorian uh, economies they had a parallel economy and a parallel government. Salvador got a grip on it and said, okay, this is actually impacting our independence. I, I made a remark on Twitter yesterday that AMLO is under the boot of the cartels. Like he has a parallel government that he needs a second independence movement for Mexico because they are not independent or free of a narco tyranny. So as long as you've got narco tyranny running your government, overtly, covertly, whether you want it to up or down, you're not in control of the sovereignty of your nation. Okay, this, this effect is bleeding into our own nation when our, our governments have been corrupted all three North American governments have been corrupted by narco tyranny. Okay. And that's also the hidden hand of China and their involvement. And I, I wrote a blog on Substack, a blog. I wrote a Substack. <laughs> Who's dated now? We talked about this. Nobody blogs anymore. I wrote on Substack, uh, Liberty in Many Directions. If you guys are, are, are hip to it, please go to Liberty in Many Directions on Substack. It's sheelamdean.substack.com. Go there, subscribe. I wrote, I wrote about how all three North American nations have went for the, the corruption bait. Canada, their elections have been corrupted by um, Chinese interference because they came in and they bought their way in because they were selling drugs all over the place in Vancouver. They bought up the real estate and became hugely profitable by just parking their money in empty buildings all over Vancouver and then selling those buildings for uh, a balloon profit. 
And so they're just basically, that's their, their cash banking sector for cartels in Sinaloa and Jalisco. And, and they launder money for all the cartels in South America. Okay. They're just, they're, that's cash business for them. And that's why all the real estate on the West Coast is huge. Like it's it's just nobody can live there anymore because it's it's greatly inflated. That's cartel activity. That you you may you may thank them for that. So that's cartel activity. Below the border, they're they're doing a lot of human trafficking, and and that's their subsidized business to for other things like prostitution, child sex trafficking, slavery, illegal grow operations. The list is really long. So, but it's all criminal activity. And once they get enough money, they start trying to target the government and, and get them to, to, to buy because they did it in Mexico. That was easy. Corrupting a, a Latin American nation with drug money is easy in Latin America, but then they proved that they could do this using Chinese laundered influence with the Biden administration. Okay, they just went direct. They're like, we, we can't do we can't do America like we did Latin America and, and make the, the narcos do it. We're gonna have to go direct and we're gonna have to do it corporate. Okay, so they use energy lobbies and energy influence and to peddle with, with Biden. Okay, so Canada's elections, narco money, and, and direct Chinese influence. In this country, it's energy influence and Chinese PACs. Okay, in, in South America, it's narco tyranny. It's all China. I, I can't argue with that. I mean, the, the amount of fentanyl that's come across this, the, come across. And you have to remember, people are not buying, quote, fentanyl. They're buying other fake narcotics that are laced with fentanyl. And, you know, it doesn't take much to kill you. Um, you know, and China just sold a whole bunch of actually industrial level pill presses to the cartels. Uh, that was recently reported in the news, too, to make sure that the product they put out looks more like insert drug here um whatever you know there's some add meds that some kids have recently been killed on because i don't know why you'd put fentanyl in add meds it's not the same thing but uh you know they were because kids wanted to do better in school or whatever they take the stimulants to try to you know act better but then they lace it with fentanyl and the kids die yeah it's it's it, well, and, and it is being used as a poison. It's not even like, here, have some fentanyl. It's here, listen, this insert medication here will help you do this, even if it's ecstasy or whatever, all laced with fentanyl nowadays. Yeah, and, and that's, that's also a, a narcological attack, biological weapon. You know, COVID, I think, was a biological weapon. Um, and I can say that because free speech, you know, the, the COVID pandemic is over it, administratively. It was over last month, but it's officially over 5.11, okay? And 5.11 is significant because that's the day that they roll back Title 42, and that is the day that they're, ex they're expecting a whole swath of unwashed humanity from all over the world to overwhelm our border. There are going to be some people 
in, in the finance industry who are going to be laughing at us, smoking their big old fatty cigars, and taking money to the bank. Yep. Okay. Hey, Vlad, final word. Oh, I believe that happens, buddy. I believe it. Yeah, I had to do it a couple of times. It really bothers me. You know, buddy, I'm, I'm, you know, my family's from South Texas. It bothers me like all the time because there's, there's like discrimination against, you know, Americans. They get deported and end up in a Mexican jail for six months. Uh, good question. Yeah. Based thing. I mean, if it were cell phone, then I wouldn't have any way to call Gregor. Um, and I have plenty of bars on my phone, so it's a call-in platform specific issue where the mic is cut. I don't know why it's happening. Well, I have some theories, and we'll talk about it in post. Um, I just, just FYI, um, for those, I, we're, I know we're not technically a breaking news group, but. Allen, Texas just had another um, shots fired active shooter situation at the Allen Premium Outlets in Texas. So if you're... Like Allen Boots? Uh, well, this is Al Allen, Texas. They have an outlet mall. Oh, the Allen 
Yeah, and there was uh, multiple victims there. And just, you know, those of you that wish to either have positive thoughts or prayers for the families of the victims, I would encourage that. Okay. It is. Um, and Vlad, just for your information, I heard it on The Blaze this week. Um, it, it was like yesterday or the day before I heard it on The Blaze, uh, which is Glenn Beck's uh, media. Uh, you might check Blaze, the theblazemedia.com. Um, They'll probably have something written up about it. Um, and Sheila, it's 4.30, and I think you're a wonderful human being. everyone who's been joining us i'm going to do my best to i'm going to unmute my mic on the call-in app and then uh run the outro but thank you everybody's welcome to come back next week at 2 2 p.m central standard time we are in austin texas where there is no censorship <laughs> and uh god bless you all we'll see you next week come on